0: It's been a difficult year, again, fiscally in Illinois. And the governor has said he can balance the books for the coming year with no general tax increases, closing some corporate tax loopholes, but still some tough choices ahead. To get a little better understanding of where we are and where we need to go, we are joined this afternoon by the Comptroller for the State of Illinois, Susana Mendoza, is live here with us. And it's always a pleasure to welcome you to the program. Thanks so much for being here. Oh,
1: thanks for having me.
0: I want to begin uh, by getting just a, an assessment, the big picture, as to where we stand right now. It has been a brutal year uh, for businesses, for individuals, for the state economy because of the pandemic. We seemed like we were starting to make some headway after the Rauner years, uh, and then we hit this wall. So uh, what's your assessment of where we are right now in terms of meeting our obligation, dealing with our unpaid bills, et cetera?
1: Well, I think you nailed it when you said that we were definitely moving in the right direction. You may recall that the the last state of the budget that the governor gave was very optimistic. Uh, The rating agencies had recognized that Illinois was stabilizing its financial picture. We were certainly uh, seeing some light between the trees after some very dark days in Illinois. Um, But all of that came to a crashing halt when COVID-19 hit. And we clearly were, like every other state in the country, uh, thrown back on our heels and and literally just minute by minute trying to literally save people's lives. Um, Our finances took a dramatic blow. Um, We called it the COVID hole, but it's more like a crater. And we uh, have seen a $3 billion uh, deficit, if you want to think of it that way, $3 billion less in revenue coming into the state over the course of the last year. And so... It has certainly put the governor in a much more difficult position than where we were a year ago when talking about the budget, when looking at how he's going to introduce the balanced budget proposal tomorrow. So we have many challenges ahead of us. One thing is certain is that there is no way to get through this budget without some painful cuts. Uh, The defeat of the Fair Tax Amendment has given the governor essentially no other option than to have to do some pretty dramatic cutting in the budget. Uh, and I know he's already put forth $700 million in cuts. I'm sure that once his budget is presented, the Democrats and Republicans will have to get to work on either accepting those or redefining those cuts, finding other areas to cut. If they don't like the cuts that he's going to present, but at the end of the day, this will be a painful budget. My hope is that we get to a budget solution that um, causes the least amount of pain And that stabilizes our finances during this pandemic and also provides uh, for the best interest of the people uh, in the state and certainly the most vulnerable uh, being thought of as a crisis budget.
0: Uh, Just so people understand the the process here, you, of course, are the keeper of the state's checkbook. Uh, No bill gets paid in this state uh, without you signing off on it. You can only pay the bills for which we have the money. Uh, But you're an independently elected official. The governor has his own budget staff that puts this all together. Does he consult with you at all? Have you spoken to the governor uh, about this budget and how it will work and, and whether it is, in fact, going to be realistic with the resources and the funds we have on hand?
1: Sure, of course. I think uh, one dramatic difference between this administration and the prior one is that there wasn't a single uh, elected official uh, in the financial world, whether it was myself or Treasurer Freericks or even the Attorney General or, or you name it, the leaders that actually had an open line of communication with the governor's office. And, and that's not through our fault. I mean, we tried, but we couldn't even get a, a call returned. And, and that's a much different environment today. We have these tremendous challenges, but at least the one challenge that is no longer there is that there is an open line of communication between my office. I'm sure I can speak probably for the treasurer here and every other constitutional officer that Governor Pritzker does return calls. Governor Pritzker does listen to disagreements and we work them out. Um, and certainly uh, it's been an important, important uh, necessity to have a good working relationship. In terms of you know, I, I want to be clear. I don't work for the governor, but I I look forward to working with the governor on trying to tackle these financial problems. So it's been instrumental to be able to have that open line of communication. And for example, just last week, the governor announced that we were going to be repaying uh, early, prepaying uh, six hundred and ninety, almost seven hundred million dollars in uh, borrowing that we weren't going to do until next year. But given that we're We're all collaborating here and trying to get the best budget put forth. We're going to be absorbing some of that that repayment a little earlier than we would have anticipated. But that wouldn't happen without collaboration between our offices and and it's you know something that we can do to try to make the the cuts that are coming in this year's budget as less painful as possible. but but again, you know having a, an open line of communication with the governor, with other leaders is an important thing to have. And it, it, it does exist today. And, and I hope that um, the legislature is just as eager to work with the governor, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, to put the people of this state first and to make this next budget as, um, as you know, hopeful as possible. It, it's going to be very, very difficult given that we have so many financial constraints. Um, and there's no such thing as a painless cut, as you know. Uh, The point here is to come together and determine who has the best chance of surviving the very necessary cuts because they're going to happen. And really, without passing that fair tax amendment, we just don't have enough revenues coming in and we have too many expenses and therefore to balance the budget cuts are going to be a critical part
0: of that. Comptroller Susana Mendoza is here with us this afternoon. Um, And as you noted, uh, the the level of cuts that would be needed to balance this budget would be, in fact, painful. We don't know yet exactly where those cuts will be made. Is it realistic to think we can do this with cuts alone? Uh, Do we need to be thinking about some additional revenues uh, to try to uh, prevent what could be catastrophic cuts in some critically important areas of state government?
1: Well, the governor has already said that he will not be raising taxes. Uh, The legislature has also uh, come out publicly and said that tax increases are off the table in this legislative session. So, yes, the alternative to that is going to be cuts. There's just no way to introduce a balanced budget and to pass a balanced budget without significant and painful cuts. I do think it's important that the state learn to live within its means. Uh, Governor Pritchker has outlined $700 million in cuts so far, and generally think that's a good start. Um, and I look forward to hearing what the proposals that the Republican Party will have. I know that they've been asking for cuts, um, but they, I believe, also have um, – you know, a job to do, which is to join Democrats in determining what those cuts are going to be and then to ultimately pass a budget that's in the best interest of taxpayers.
0: Republicans, though, accused the the governor and legislative Democrats last year of essentially relying on, quote, imaginary money to produce a budget that they said was balanced because it did rely upon the fair tax amendment, which did not pass. It relied upon federal aid for COVID relief, which so far has not passed. And so... Um, uh, are, <sighs> If the budget that is introduced tomorrow has some of those same techniques to it, to call it a balanced budget, but it's relying on money that we don't know for sure we're going to have, is that, in your view, indeed a balanced budget? And and are you compelled to speak up if if it has some of that component to it?
1: Yes, of course. And I I would be. And the the, the key factor here is that for everything the governor has said so far, is he is not relying on these, you know, make-believe, gimmicks. There's no uh, pixie dust or magic beans here, right? You can't balance the budget that way. Um, He, as a matter of fact, has gone out of his way to say that they are not including any potential federal stimulus dollars uh, that might be coming our way, which we have a strong uh, belief that we will see some help from the federal government. But nonetheless, none of those potential um, influxes of revenue are going to be put towards this particular budget presentation. So I think he's doing the right thing. You can't, you're not supposed to do that, and you really can't uh, pretend that you're going to have revenue coming in and, and account for that in this year's budget. So that is why the governor, I think to his credit, um, you know, it has to be commended for making the tough decision of putting forth $700 million so far in cuts to this budget. But, again, it's, it's a starting point. The legislature is going to have to come together to figure out what that final number will be in the absence of a revenue increase, in the absence of, of a structural deficit being somewhat healed by the Fair Tax Amendment. Um, you know, it's going it's to come down to cuts, and it's going to be a painful budget year. Um, but uh, given that we don't have new revenues coming in, there's no other choice.
0: To the extent that you can uh, share some of the advice you have given to Governor J.B. Pritzker, what, what, in your view, is the most important thing Illinois must do to get us on a path of sustainable financial and fiscal stability?
1: Well, from a controller's point of view, we have to repay our debt and we have to live within our means. And, uh, you know, I want to be clear that when I recently signed off on a borrowing plan for $2 billion from the Federal Reserve, I signed off on that deal with a strong commitment and understanding from the governor that as soon as we did get new revenues into the state, um, regardless of where they came from, in this case, it's likely that we'll see new revenues coming in from the federal government. uh, But any new revenues coming into the state are going to first and foremost go towards repaying the $2 billion borrowing deal that I signed off on. Um, I wouldn't have signed off on it otherwise. I do have the governor's commitment on that. And it's important because we absorbed a significant amount of borrowing just to get through this global pandemic, to make sure that our hospital system did not collapse in the middle of a global pandemic. And truth be said, we we took that $2 billion that we borrowed from the governor at what for us would have been below market rates. It was a smart, it was a smart approach at dealing with this, um, And we leveraged every single dollar that we could to pay down Medicaid bills that allow us to take advantage of a federal match. So in effect, that $2 billion became more like $3.4 billion that we got to work for people and for health care. But again, you know, the agreement for me to sign off on that was that we needed to be responsible on repaying that debt first and foremost. So... I guess it's important that you hear me say that any new money coming in from a federal stimulus package, there's not a single legislator that should get excited or pretend that that's new money because those dollars are spoken for. It's not like anyone should get excited that it's Christmas morning and there's a bunch of gifts under the tree or there's a brand new Lexus with the big red bow in the driveway. The fact of the matter is we're just hoping that our pickup trucks for the family, doesn't get repossessed, right? So that's essentially probably the best way I can describe it. Any new dollars coming in, they are spoken for. We have an obligation to be responsible with our debt load. And when we take on added debt, we have to repay it as quickly as possible. And that's where we're at. So I I just think every opportunity I get to say that publicly, that there's really no such thing as new money coming from the feds or anywhere else right now. We have significant debt load. We have a significant bill backlog that still needs to be addressed. And once we can get a handle on that, then we are going to start to see Illinois turn the corner and talk about how we have become a fiscally solvent and responsible
0: a reality check from Comptroller Susana Mendoza. And Comptroller, before I let you go, uh, we are seeing now uh, a veritable stampede of candidates uh, running up to say they're running in 2022. Can you give us any inkling of your plans for the next election year?
1: Sure, since you asked. Yes, I'm looking forward to my reelection election campaign um, because I think that certainly at, at this time, um, we are once again in the throes of a fiscal crisis. And there is one thing that I've learned to be really good at, it's managing fiscal crisis and having to learn to do a lot more with a lot less. So I think I'm the best person uh, and the most experienced for the job. And people who love me say, why on earth would you want to be controller during terrible fiscal times like this? And I say that's exactly why I want to be controller, because, uh, you know, like firemen, I kind of run towards the fire instead of away from it. And we're, we're in trouble, and this is exactly where I want to be at uh, the right time, and hopefully – voters will continue to believe that I am the right person to handle this tough
0: job. We'll look forward to talking to you throughout this upcoming campaign season. Controller Susana Mendoza, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for your time.
1: Same here. Thank you and stay safe.